I try and avoid the selly parts of spots as much as possible. And when they give me an opportunity to interact with the listener like a question does, I want to jump all over it. And then the selly stuff doesn't have to be sold anymore. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mission Audition. I'm your special guest co-host, Juliana Jones. And Kyle Flynn. All right, so today our topic of discussion is related to audio production. Uh, But before we get into the auditions, let me introduce you to our amazing guest. Bradford Hastings has been a highly successful voiceover talent for many years now and has had the pleasure to help guide many talents to success as well as a coach. Brad's voice has been heard by millions in narrations and commercials. You may have heard of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, Bradford is the voice for the Doctor Strange audiobooks. He's also worked for brands such as Publix, MasterCard, Labatt's Brewing Company, Purex, and the WWE. With over 20 years experience, Bradford focuses on authenticity, conversational reads, and who the talent really is. Bradford is also a professionally trained and accredited sound engineer, so he knows a thing or two about audio, and we're so happy to have you on the show. Welcome, Bradford. Welcome. Hi. Hello. How are you? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to to listening to some of these and finding some gold. With that, that's going to lead us into talking a little bit about today's job. Spendy Mortgage Brokers is a company that prides itself on offering low-interest rate mortgages to first-time homebuyers. The listeners should feel that they are listening to a trustworthy voice. The voiceover should not pressure the listener into a decision, but rather invite them for a chat on how Spendy Mortgage can help them. Voiceover should be in a playful and friendly but trusting voice. So let's go ahead and kind of dive on in and uh, see what we get. Absolutely. Let's listen to audition number one. Hmm. If money were not a factor, what would your dream house look like? Picture it now. Would it have a large wraparound porch and a lot of green space for a garden? Or would it be a modern condo in the heart of the city? Wherever your mind goes and whatever your dream consists of, Spendy Mortgage Brokers can help you get there. Come on in and speak with one of our agents today to see what we can do for you. Ooh, strong start. All right, Bradford, take us through it. Okay. So, I mean, my first reaction is audio wise, right? Is it's super bright. I would say that uh, a good roll off point with a low pass filter at, you know, 10 K 12 DB per octave will solve that problem. And it's a common problem that, you know, people call me up and they're like, there's too much mouth noise that, you know, that, that high end sparkle in there. And the solution is quite simple. Just roll off some of the high end. Not too much because you want it in there. But the reality is, you know, that would solve that problem. The other problem I'm immediately hearing is either an aggressive gate or bad editing. Um, and, you know, there's there's a, a spot in the middle where she stops talking and you can audibly hear it, either a bad editor or a click from the, the gate. She has a gate on there. So let the gate do its job. You shouldn't have to edit then if your gate's set properly. But but aside from that, it seems a little scooped in the middle. Um, people seem to be afraid of 1K. They seem to be afraid of that fundamental frequency of the voice. And if it's such a dangerous frequency to play with because if you cut too much, you'll lose all the energy and it'll scoop out and then it won't push through in a mix. If you add too much, it'll start sounding you know too in your face and too sharp. So I usually, it's one of the frequencies I kind of usually just leave alone. Um, to be honest, I, I try not to touch 1K because, you know, messing with it too much, you know, 2 or 3 dB in either direction can really affect a, affect your performance, not your performance, but can affect the sound, which can, you know, make the performance, no matter how good it is, just knock people off. So remember that, like, how you sound in your audition is how people are going to assume you, you're going to sound. Mm, absolutely. Right? There's, there's, no, there's no fixing it later for them. They're going to go, okay, and if it sounds really bright or if it sounds really scooped or it sounds deficient in some way, too noisy or X, Y, or Z, that's how they're going to think you're going to sound. So I would say if you're going to use a gate, trust your gate and use it properly. And if you're not going to use a gate, that's fine. But, and, but then learn how to fade your edits, you know, either crossfade them 
or fade them, fade their tops and tails, however you want to do it, meaning the beginnings and ends. Absolutely. And is that something that you help your students with? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of this stuff. This is stuff that, you know, the, the, this is stuff that everybody comes to me with is, you know, again, it's, it's mouth noises, breathing. That's the one that a lot of people come at me with is I can hear my breathing and I go, uh huh. You're a human being. <laughs> of course you can. You breathe, right? It's. It, but what I find most of the time with mouth noises and breathing is not uh, a, a a thing that gear is going to fix. It's mic technique. If I'm sitting next to the mic like this, you're going to hear every breath, every mouth noise that I make. Whereas if I pull off about three, four inches, now all of a sudden my breathing isn't such a big deal. My mouth noises are smaller. And... It, but I still haven't fundamentally changed anything else. I've just backed off the mic a bit. So, you know, it, it, can, it can really go a long way to being, a, you know, a piece of gear that's not a piece of gear, a, you know, a, a, a plug-in that's not a plug-in, right, is mic technique, is being able to, you know, know where to place yourself with a microphone. So, um, you know, yeah, all, all of that stuff. Everything we're going to talk about today, I talk about with my students. They, everybody has audio issues. Everybody has audio questions. I have audio issues, right? Every day I'm like, I have to assess my audio because, you know, I'm that guy. I just, I can't, I'm never satisfied. Um, and, you know, it is something that, yes, I absolutely address with my students. Wonderful. And just to take things back a bit, when you said the word bright, can you <laughs> define for us what that means? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can define it in a couple of ways. Brightness means sort of that... Um, High frequencies, those the high frequency spectrum. Um, brightness is air. It's that you know. It's that again. It's high frequency, super supersonic frequencies, right? Anything above four K, right? If I were to go like this with my with my EQ, right? This is bright. All of a sudden, it's gotten very bright. And all I did was push eight K, um, you know. And but and and all and that's those are the frequencies I'm talking about. Anything sort of above eight K. When you get up in here and then you push 12, 16K, all of a sudden you see how those S's start popping out and all of the, the mouth noise and things starts popping out. When that happens, right, if it's there, you know, it, it, it can destroy it can destroy an audio. It can, it can make it really difficult to listen to. And especially, you know, if you have a lighter voice, um, you know, if you ha already have air in your voice. So for me, you know, EQ is great. Picking the right mic is also something to think about. A lot of the Neumann microphones are brilliant. They're great mics. But the TLM-103 that a lot of people like to use is a pretty bright mic. Um, the MKH-416 can be a little bit bright. Um, you know, the NT-1A I don't think is a very bright microphone, um, and it's reasonably priced. So, you know, finding a mic that works for you, know, you know, and some people just go and grab what everybody else is using. But remember, the microphone is a is a tool. You know, it's a it's... It's like a guitar, and every guitar sounds different. You know, Gibsons sound different than Les Paul than than Fenders, and you know, then sound different than Paul Reed Smiths. So, finding the mic that fits your voice is also, you know, can also help in that arena. Much like uh, um, many audio engineers say, you gotta fix the uh, fix it at the source, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's one of those areas where having the mic that fits your voice. And the nuances of it, uh, you know, is, is at the source. Right. And it's it can't be easy for a lot of people. Some people, look, they've got a budget and they've got to get what they can get and they want to get started. And that's perfectly fine. And a lot of people buy the Scarlet with the the AT2020, which is, which is the one I recommend. I recommend either the NT1A bundle or the AT2020 bundle because they're good. I don't like the Focusrite mic. It's not great. And it's because it is very mid-range heavy and it's very hard to sort of fix after the fact. But yeah, I usually tell people in the beginning, if you're going to budget it out, put most of your budget into your microphone because you will get what you pay for. And, you know, a, a crappy mic in a brilliant room is still going to sound like a crappy mic. It doesn't matter. Uh, you, could, you could take a, you know, a garbage mic and put it in a multi-million dollar studio and it'll still sound like a garbage mic. So, you know, the room is fine, you know, put some money into your room, but that can be super cheap. So that's my philosophy, and it goes against what a lot of people believe, and that's fine. Um, you know, everybody has their way of looking at it. Absolutely. I've heard of talent going into music stores and renting mics from them yep. to figure out which mic works best for them. Is that something that you would recommend for listeners as well? Uh, absolutely. If you can if you can do a shootout, do a shootout. Um, 
you know, and I know that Guitar Center will let you come in. You can call them ahead of time and say, I want to come in and I want to try some mics. They'll set them up in a, in a, in their quiet room. You bring your own headphones because you know them and then you try out their mics. The other thing is I know that Sweetwater also, yeah, they, you know, they're, they'll let you try a bunch of mics. They get it. They, you know, I, they, they get that you're, you know, going to, if you explain to them, Hey, I want to shoot out some microphones, they'll let you. Absolutely. Um, and yes, if you have the time and you have the, you know, the gumption to do it, that's where you want to spend some time in the beginning. I think it would pay dividends in the end for sure. Um, it also helps to, you know, if you know what you're looking for, that, that also becomes a problem. Most people that start out don't know what they're looking for. So they look to what everybody's using and go, well, if that works for them, I'm going to use it. And that most people are going to be okay. Um, but then it's sort of knowing what to do after you've, after you've got it, gotten it. And again, for me, the first thing I do with almost anybody's audio, including my own, is I roll off from 80 hertz down with a high-pass filter, and I roll off about 10K up with a low-pass filter at 12 dB per octave. That's just that's where I start. I don't necessarily stay there, but that's where I start um, because that's going to solve a lot of those first issues that people have, breathing and mouth noises. Can you explain what roll off means? Sure. Like, let's say what a low-pass filter does is you pick a frequency, say 10K, high frequencies, right? It's allowing the low frequencies to pass. It's the worst naming of any device I've ever heard in my life because you think it should be the other way around, but it is a, a low-pass filter cuts highs and a high-pass filter cuts lows. And it allows the, the high-pass allows the highs to pass and the low-pass allows the lows to pass to keep going through. So, and you can set it at a, de at, at a X decibels per octave, because when you're talking about frequencies on a, on a, on an EQ, you're talking about notes on a piano. This is how you can look at it. When you tune a guitar, you tune a guitar to A440, which is 440 hertz. Well, if you look at an EQ, you can pick 440 hertz and cut 440 hertz. There's a note attached to that. There's a sine wave attached to that. So when you start looking at your EQ, you, you'll see that things are at decibels per octaves, these high and low pass filters. And an octave is simply doubling. So 440, an octave below 440 is 220. An octave above is 880. And so if you, so you know that if you cut something from 12 decibels per octave at 10K, then what that means is by 20K, it will have reduced by 12 decibels, right? So, and you can shape it. You can make it six decibels per octave. So from 10K to 20K, it'll reduce by six decibels. It'll be a softer shoulder, if you will, more gradual uh, roll off. But, you know, and then as it continues, it will get quieter and quieter, obviously. If you do it too sharply, it can become aggressive and you can start to hear it. And my rule, general rule with tools, either at a compressor, EQ, gate, if you can hear it, you're using it wrong. Um, I don't want to be able to hear it. I just want it to do what it needs to do. The one thing it needs to do, which is manage my high ends. I don't want it to hear, I don't want to hear it affecting T's, D's, P's, S's, that sort of thing. It just needs to affect those supersonic frequencies that are getting in the way. Wonderful. Thank you for such a thorough explanation. Sure. Um, we had talked about her audio quality. Yeah. What did you think of her delivery? Sure. Uh, you know, I thought that she, I thought her delivery was great. Um, she's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I think she, she sort of, you know, f kind of fails where everybody fails in this as far as conversational and realism. So when you're looking at the direction of no pressure, playful, and you're talking to first time buyers, that's where I'm going to hone in is on first-time buyers because that's going to tell me how I want to address these things like asking them to imagine something, right? Because if they're not, if they're people that have bought houses before, I'm going to go, yeah, imagine it. You've done it before, whatever. But these are first-time buyers. I want them to have that feeling of whimsy, that feeling of, you know, possibilities. Anything, anything can happen. So when I ask them to imagine something, I don't want to gloss it over. I don't want to just... Go imagine it, because that gives them nothing. But if I if I join them in that journey, if I join them and start imagining myself, you know, going, oh man, imagine that, oh that house. And as somebody who bought a house a little over a year ago, right, I know that feeling. Um, there's always that potential, even when you move into a new apartment. There's that feeling of, oh man, I could, I'm going to put this here, I'm going to do this here, right? There's possibilities. Capture that. Don't just ask a question. You know, think about who you're asking and how you want them to feel. That's our job is to make people 
look in the places we want them to look and also feel the way we want them to feel. And when you ask a question, there are three fundamental ways that you can ask a question. You can ask the question as if you know the answer already and, and, and you're, so you're going to explain it. Or you can ask the question as if they, you have no idea what the answer is and you genuinely want to know the answer and they know it. Or you both know the answer to the question and it's rhetorical for both of you. So the line is, the question is, what would your dream house look like, right? So if I know the answer to that question and I'm just going to explain it, it would be the way that everybody seems to have done it in this, which is, what would your dream house look like? Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to explain it to you. If I don't know the answer, but, I, but they do, then all of a sudden that question takes on a very different tone, doesn't it? And all of a sudden it's, what would your dream house look like? Right. I want to know. No. What would your dream house look like? What would it look like? Because I, I want to know because I'm about to explain something. Right. And I need to give them a minute to answer that question. A lot of people sort of just went to town on this. What would your dream house look like? Well, blah, blah, blah. And then they just moved on. Let it breathe. Make up that time later because that question becomes so important because it's what draws that listener in. And then the third way would be if we both know the answer, which would be what does your dream house look like? Right. It's not very strong and it doesn't get used very often. It's more in the comedic reads. But, you know, because if you're if you both know the answer to the question, what's the point of making the spot? But like so when you're looking at a question, those three ways, you know, that automatically gives you two takes on on your auditions. Right. Two different takes, because one is very confident and I'm going to tell you what's going on. The other one is is, in you know, sort of joining them in the journey of of the commercial. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, but that's something that I did find with a lot of the reads was they kind of just went past this this question as if, you know, let's get to the meat of the spot. I try and avoid the selly parts of spots as much as possible. And when they give me an opportunity to interact with the listener like a question does, I want to jump all over it. And then the selly stuff doesn't have to be sold anymore because mm. I've gotten them to sort of join in by asking them the question. I think you've brought up a, a really interesting point where, you know, when people are marking up scripts, if, you know, people are still doing that, um, or if, uh, you know, they're assessing that script in whichever way they do, mm -hmm. uh, you know, automatically a brand name is going to pop out to them. And they, they jump to that and they know. Sure. But it's these smaller nuances that people often overlook. And they just don't give the credit where credit's due on that line. And I think you bring a really great point in highlighting that and the importance of not necessarily just jumping to the more obvious spots, but really assessing the entirety of the script and leaning in on those really important little nuances that can really drag you in and bring it to life. Right. And when, when you give enough of the justice and enough of the emotion, you give enough to that question, you don't have to oversell the name. Now, the name needs to be put in sort of a marquee, put in lights a little bit. But if but if I'm not giving anything to the question, then, yeah, I'm going to sell the then I'm going to make them look at the at the product name. But if I make them look at the question, then the product name doesn't have to be sold so hard because they're already in that emotional space that I've put them in. What does what does your dream house look like at so and so we do this right? I've got them before that. Whereas if I go, what does your dream house look like? Because it's so and so. Well, now it's all about so-and-so. And that that is not conversational. This is the this is the thing. It's like in conversational reads, you know, we've got you've got a <laughs> a lot of new voice actors have been listening to a lot of radio spots by DJs who who basically what happens, because I worked in radio, you get off your shift, they go, you gotta read some spots really quick before you leave. You don't get paid for it, it's part of your job. So you go in and you read it, and you read it in the radio voice. What's going on, guys? All right, cool. So here's the deal. Blah, 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 right? So they hear that and they go, okay, well, that's what conversational sounds like. No. Because they're missing out on the TV spots and on, you know, the other national spots that go on in, in between there that were done by actual voice actors that, you know, that, that have more of a, you know, conversational feel to them. And what they'll find is, you know, you know, just being able to listen to those critically and go, oh, that's that sounds that's not good. And keeping people at a distance. Yeah. I mean, it's a sales fundamental to sell the pain, not the product. Yeah. And we're very much talking about an example of that here. Well, that was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for explaining all that, Bradford. Uh, let's listen to audition number two. Hello there. My name is Corey Hart, and I'm auditioning for your Mission Audition project. If money were not a factor, what would your dream house look like? 
Picture it now. Would it have a large wraparound porch and a lot of green space for a garden? Or would it be a modern condo in the heart of the city? Wherever your mind goes and whatever your dreams consist of, Spendy Mortgage Brokers can help you get there. Come on in and speak with one of our agents today to see what we can do for you. So a couple of things. Let's let's address the big glaring problem that's not an audio problem right out of the gate, which is that slate is completely wrong. And there are very few things in voiceover that are wrong, but that slate is bad. It's a preach, it's, it's it's bad practice. And unless they ask for a slate, do not slate. Just don't. Number one, here's the thing. When we're auditioning, time is money, right? Time is potential money. But the fact is time is money. We're, and the amount of time that you're wasting by putting a six-second slate in is money you're losing, number one. Number two, it, the, the only thing they want to hear is your voice in the context of their spot. These people, don't, they don't care who you are. They don't care what spots you've done. They don't care where you, where you live or, or what your name is. They want to hear your, your voice with their words. And if that works, great. If it doesn't, they're going to move on. And it sounds heartless, but that's, that's the fact, right? There are things that we have control over and things we don't. That's one of the things we don't have control over. But they're going to listen to you and they're going to move on. And I promise you the minute they start this and they, they're, going to, they're going to be annoyed the second it starts. So don't do that. Bad practice, don't do it. Um, the other thing I would say is it, you know, there's, again, with the direction, um, I'll, I'll address the audio in just a second. But the direction was playful, first-time buyers, no pressure. And this is so just trying to be intense. And he's got that softer thing going on where he's like, what would you do? And what would this? And it comes off less, less playful and more super intense. Um, there are a couple questions in here, as we talked about in the previous one, right? When you're asking the question, would it have a wraparound porch, right? How do you feel about that? Right. Because that's a that's a playful outdoorsy that has a personality. A wraparound porch has a personality. The second question is, would it have um, what, or would it be a downtown? Con that has a personality. Right. Mm -hmm. They're two very distinct people that want both of those things. Your voice can play to that. Right. You can you can. And, and the more you can play to that, the, the more they're going to go along with you. Right. The more subtext that you can put in there. Right. Keep it playful. Would it have a wraparound porch? Or maybe it'd be downtown, right? And now I just went from playful to, you know, a little more, hey, matter of fact, these lines need to have a personality. You're not just asking a question. You're, you're, you're planting seeds, right? Or, yes. or, and, but you're also, you want them to participate. And, you know, if you ask the person who wants the wraparound porch, do you want a wraparound porch? Right. It's that it's that whole argument like subtext is when your mom says to you as a kid, you know, you didn't come home after midnight, did you? Oh, you know, the answer she wants. Right. You, 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 whether it's true or not, you know, you know, or what time did you come home last night? Oh, you, you, there's so much subtext there. You know how to read that person. And the same goes with a commercial. So you, you need to be able to you should want to be able to, um, you know, have a really clear picture of and this is this is something too. Have a very clear picture of who your audience is. And that's that's such a cliche and it's absolutely cliche and don't ever stop there. Then that person has to react to you. They have to have agency. They have to have animus. If they're just standing there faceless like a mannequin, you're not doing your job. But if that person is nodding their head, if that person is furrowing their brow, if that person is wondering about what you're doing or if they're about to question you or argue with you or agree with you, you need to know that. Because conversational, as I like to ask my students, the difference between a conversation and a conversational read is the other person is there when you're having a conversation. In a conversational read, you're responsible for that person. And the more you can give that person to activate you and make you react, because acting is reacting, the more that, the more, the easier your job is. The easier it is. The more that they're coming at you with facial expressions or they're talking to you while you're in the commercial, the, the easier your job is. And you know when you're winning them over because you're going to feel it. So there's that. 
Um, I think with his, I think with his audio, I find it again a little scooped. It sounds number one like he's kind of far off the mic. It sounds like he's more about right here, about a foot away. Um, and when you do that, proximity effect is what happens when you get close to a microphone and all that low end comes in. And as you back away, you lose low end, um, low frequencies. They start to they start to die because of the proximity to the microphone. So it can lose its life. It can lose its sort of vitality <clears throat> if you pull off of a mic too far. And also you're going to pick up more of the room uh, that you're in. So again, mic technique is finding that balance of, you know, this is too close. This is too far. So let's split the difference and sit in the middle. Um, but his just sounds a little bit like he's just a little too far off the microphone. Um, and if you're too far off a microphone, that can also make you sort of punch your gain up a little bit, roll your gain up too much. And, you know, gain is, to my way of thinking, one of the most important pieces of one of the most important tools, because if not set properly and not thought about properly, gain can kill your audio. Um, people often mistake gain with volume and gain is not volume. Gain is voltage. Gain is electricity. Okay. The byproduct of that is not loudness. The byproduct of that is sensitivity. So what you're doing when you increase gain is you're making the microphone more sensitive which means it's going to pick up more stuff around you, which, yes, translates to loudness in your ears. But the reality is it's not louder, it's more sensitive. So it's just picking up that stuff that's so far away. So the balance that you want, think of it as an ear, your microphone. And the larger, the, the more gain, the larger the ear. What I want, what I think of is my microphone has a circle around it. Uh, around the tip where the diaphragm is, that's the center point. And as you Give, as you add more and more gain, the circle around it gets wider and wider and wider. It doesn't get louder. It just gets more and more sensitive. Where I like to make sure my mic is, is I want that sphere to be just behind my ears, right? I like, in my mind, this is, it's very, it's hard to do without visuals, but I, the sensitivity of my microphone, because I can always turn it up later. I can always make it louder or quieter later. I'm trying with gain to get that balance where the room isn't so present but my voice sounds good. I'm balancing the room with my voice. Now, I'm in a professionally built room that sounds good, but in a closet or in, you know, in a less than ideal space where 90% of voice actors are working when they're starting out, right? Finding that balance where you bring the gain down a little bit so that you don't, because you can always jack the volume up later. And the thing is, whatever the gain hears, everything after it is going to hear. Whatever the gain doesn't hear. So if you manage it correctly, what the gain doesn't hear, it's not going to hear downstream. So making sure that the gain becomes far more important when you think about it than anything else, because it is the first thing that your mic goes through. So finding that balance and, and then, you know, it starts with, okay, where do I sit comfortably behind my mic? And then, and, and going, okay, this is where I sit comfortably. Now I'm going to adjust the gain to fit that space. And, you know, you might need to move forward an inch or move back an inch. But the further back you go, the more gain you're going to have to give. The more gain you're going to give, the, the bigger the ear, the more the outside stuff you're going to hear, which then means your gate's going to have to work harder, which means your compressor is going to have to do stuff. And, you know, it just it spirals out of control. So for this particular voice actor, uh, you know, I would say a little bit closer to the microphone, which is going to introduce some low end. So maybe roll off some of that low end again with that high pass filter um, and, you know, try to avoid the proximity thing because it's just a little too far from the, from the mic, in my opinion. And definitely with the words, as you previously mentioned, playful in there, it just seemed a little dry. So lean into that playful, allow for your mic or for your voice to go a little up, a little down, lean into those more engaging questions. Um, I would correct you than... and say less about up and down, right? This is okay. where this is where new voice actors will go, okay, great. Well, then I'll start doing this and doing that. It's not about <laughs> up and down. It's about genuinely feeling, okay. like, think of a phrase. For me, for this, for, for playful, it'd be, what do you have to lose? Right? So now I'm just going to think about that, right? So if it's, if, if the phrase is, what do you have to lose? And then it's, would it, would it have a large wraparound porch? I'm going to go, would it have a large wraparound porch? Right? What do you have to lose? 
right? And I'm going to keep constantly checking in on myself with that phrase if that's the one I'm going to go with. And it's less about, it's it's more about subtext and less about performance. If, if you focus too much on the performance aspect of it, you can then, you know, then you'll start doing that sort of thing where it would be more like, would it have a large wraparound porch, right? And then it's like, that's <laughs> you're still keeping me at a distance. Whereas if I give myself a phrase or an idea or an emotion and I can speak from there, and I constantly am checking in. Am I genuinely speaking from that place? Then, then it's not about the performance. Now I'm relying on on the subtext of my emotions and what I'm what I'm how I'm trying to feel, and I let the voice take care of the rest of it, right? The, or the voice takes care of itself. If I can sit in that place and be genuine, the voice will take care of itself. I don't have to work. The less I work, the more I work. That's so wonderful, you know. Such a great example. And so, so. If I can just find a phrase and then stick with it as as a mantra or as however you want to think about it, right? And and I'm just constantly checking in on myself with it. So what do you have to lose, right? Would it have a large wraparound porch or I don't know, uh, be a downtown condo, right? There's and what do you have to lose has that sort of you know idea of of let it go. It's not a big deal. Maybe uh, maybe though I want to focus on the first time buyer thing. Well, now my phrase is going to be look I, I've got look I've got this. Right. Trust me, it's going to be fine. Not trust me. It's trust me, it's going to be OK. So then it becomes, well, would it have a wraparound porch or maybe downtown condo? Right. I, I, I care. I, I really want to know like what you want. And I'm not trying to push it over on you. Again, I'm coming from that emotional place rather than performative. That's a, an advanced level thing. So new voice actors, I'm just telling you that because that's where you want to get to. It's going to be about performance right now because you're still trying to find your voice. You're still trying to find out how all of this works in conjunction with other people's words. But the more that you can start thinking emotionally and, you know, keeping emotion in the context of your voiceover, because once I once you get the performance ideas and, and, and the idiosyncrasies and the insecurities out of the way, right, I... The difference that I, this is what I tell my students, the difference between me and somebody starting out in voiceover is I don't care, right? I, I, I've, I've gone through all the insecurities. I don't, I don't worry about, am I saying this right or doing this right? The only thing I think about is how do I feel? How do I feel about this? And then I can speak from there because I've been focusing on how I feel and, and studying how I feel in the real world when I'm feeling something. I am present and I'm enjoying it. And I'm going, I am miserable and I know how this feels and I'm going to be in that misery so that I can really feel it. And now if I, and, and not because, oh, I can use it for my art, because it's good for you as a human being to live where you are, right? If I'm in joy, I want to stay in joy and I want to feel it and be there. And if I'm miserable, I'm going to be there and I'm going to live in it because I can then get past it. It's when you stop and you start trying to confine those things that they haunt you. And, and you can't use them because you're too busy arguing with them. It's the same idea of people who take group classes and all they care about is being in the box. You're not learning in the box. You're too busy trying to perform and do the right thing, quote unquote, that you can't be learning. When you learn in a group class is when you're sitting there watching other people make mistakes and you're catching them before the teacher does. And then you can go, oh, that was a little stiff. And then the coach goes, so that line just felt a little stiff. And you go, great, I know what I'm doing, right? But most people spend their time trying to live in the box and going, oh, I can't wait till I get to read. I can't wait till I get to read. And I was that person. Believe me, I was that person <laughs> for so long. And, you know, because that's where you believe you're spending your money. That's not where you're spending your money. You're spending your money to, to be in the moment. And it's hard to be in the moment when you're in the box, especially as a new voice actor. So, you know, Live your life, and when you're in an emotional place, doesn't matter if it's a big emotion or a small emotion or no emotion, live in it and just kind of look at it and feel it and really feel it because at some point you're going to be asked to speak that way. And if you've never allowed yourself to feel that way or you've never sort of been present, you're just guessing. And, and that's not going to do anybody any, any good. I could listen to you talk for hours, Bradford. That was some good wisdom you just laid on everybody. Much appreciated. Sure, sure. All right. So now that we're heads are in the right place, let's listen to audition number three. If money were not a factor, what would your dream house look like? Picture it now. Would it have a large wraparound porch and a lot of green space for a garden? 
or would it be a modern condo in the heart of the city? Wherever your mind goes and whatever your dream consists of, Spendy Mortgage Brokers can help you get there. Come on in and speak with one of our agents today to see what we can do for you. So this is what I was talking about with that up-down thing, right? This is that, and this is what happens when the performance keeps you at arm's length. There's, I feel, zero connection with this voice actor. It's big, which also, you know, it can be seen as playful, but it's big like this, right? And it's very sort of in your face, which I would say, you know, no, right? We're talking to first-time buyers and we're not talking to first-time buyers at three in the morning, right? That's, you know, there, there's that audience, right? Where you do need to be big for the, the three in the morning, midnight, you know, three in the morning, first-time buyer house people that are like, do you need a mortgage? We can help you get one, right? And that's fine. But that's not what this is. This is about trustworthy, no pressure. And while this doesn't feel pressury necessarily, but it does have that up and down thing that you were talking about. And this is where I, this is why I caution people to not think on those terms because he did have that thing where he went up in here and then went down. And it's sort of like, okay, that's manufactured performance. And, you know, manufactured performance has its place. Um, but it doesn't have its place in conversational. It just doesn't. Um, watching out for the, the the scoops, the up and down scoops, and watching out for sort of tailing the ends of words as well. You know, uh, what is, oh, does it have a wraparound porch or a garden? Right, and letting garden <laughs> sort of thing go out. That That's another thing that we don't do. As it, when, when you start listening to people having conversations, listen to yourself when you're talking or listen to somebody else when they're talking, they don't do that. The only person I know that does it in a, in, in even, I've never had a conversation with him, but he does it performatively is uh, Stephen Colbert. He, he extends his S's at the end. He'll be like, so that's how, that's the way people think of this, right? When he says a joke, now, you know, now that you know it, if you ever watch him again, you'll never be able to get it out of your head. But but that's sort of a performative thing, right? And and you know, being careful to scoop up, scoop down, do too much. Again, the less you work, the more you'll work. So like, you know, being careful not to do that. Um, I would say the, then I would say audio wise, I would say it's just it, it's a little too processed for me. Um, and you know, it's a it's a little too compressed. When I say too processed, it could mean it's over EQ'd or it's or it's or it's overcompressed. Um, and this just sounds like there's just a, a, a bit too much processing. Again, if I can hear it, um, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be able to hear it. You know, speaking about doing conversational reads and how people speak, I often find it, they speak and then they gather their thoughts and then they speak again. And when you say that thing, people go up and down, as soon as you said that, it's like, oh, it's very predictable in its nature. But when mm -hmm. even Kyle and IRS are speaking, you know, the pauses are in very random places. Well, not random places, Ran but places nope. where I needed to collect my thoughts. Yes. Same with breathing. This is what I tell people with breathing. We don't speak necessarily in complete sentences or even com complete thoughts. We're speaking from abstract ideas and we're trying to put words into them, right, as we go. And we add little idiosyncrasies. I say right all the time, right? I throw it at the end of sentences, right? I do it all the time. So if I'm reading a conversational read, I might throw one in. Um, also, I'm going to breathe when I need to breathe and I'm going to pause when I need to pause. Um, if I'm manufacturing a pause anywhere, it's going to be generally between a really good descriptor word, right? So, uh, or, or, or something that could have a different thing. So I might go, you know, would it have a wraparound porch? Right. Because I'm grasping for something. Right. There's an audience member there and I'm trying to read their their feelings. I don't necessarily want to go, would it have a wraparound porch? Yeah, I might have pre-prepared that question. Right. But but if I didn't pre-prepare that question, right, that that that's a good way to do that. And again, it, be, it comes from studying people and how they speak and noticing what they do. And how do you do that? Being present. You if you're really, truly listening to somebody who's talking to you, you're not thinking about what you're going to say. Unfortunately, that's where most people live. Most people live, including myself, in that place where I'm going, when do I get to talk? When do I get to talk? I want to say things. I have ideas, right? But the reality is if you actually spend time listening to that person speak and, and you'll know what they were trying to say. And so, you know, and, and I'm breathing all over the place because I need to because I'm a human being. So this obsession with cutting out breaths, this obsession with making sure everything is smooth, 
That's, I mean, smooth is fine if you're prepared. Smooth is not a way to speak. Smooth is an attitude of preparedness, right? Smooth comes from knowing what you're talking about and being able to sit here and tell you exactly what I'm talking about because I've talked about it before. And so therefore I don't need to break anything up because I know how I'm going to say it because I've said it or I pre-prepared it or I've written it down or I've given this lesson before. That was me being smooth. Now, if I'm talking about something I don't know that I'm talking about, there are going to be, you know, pauses and words like you knows and filler words and a lot of ands and buts to join sentences together that maybe weren't, you know, weren't necessarily connected before. And I just repeated the weren't twice. Why? Because I have to recollect my thoughts. So becoming mm -hmm. a student of how people speak is, is essential. And if you do that, you'll be head and shoulders above every other voice actor that's out there trying right now because they're too busy worrying about how they talk to listen to how, how people speak. And you should know how you talk, of course. You need to become a student of yourself as well. But it's a lot easier in the beginning to listen to other people while they're talking and not actors in commercials and that sort of thing. I mean, people in real life that are having a conversation with you because you'll find that they don't do what what this person did either, which is stress the word you. That's another big no-no for me, for the most part. Like it's not something I, a hard and fast rule, but if there's a you in it, that's the least important word in the sentence. Back mm, what's that? Well, because that's not how we converse with people. I don't say to you, I don't say to you, how is your day? Are you doing okay? No, I say, are you doing okay? I don't say, how do you feel? I go, how do you feel? Because the word following the you is almost always going to be more important than the you, right? Back before conversational became a thing, yes, it was all about the you. You're going to buy the, the wait, what is it? You're going to buy the seat, but you'll only need the edge, right? It was all about the you. You need to do this. You need to find a way to do this. Have you ever found that blah, blah, blah? That was fine. That's selling. But when it comes to conversational, it's almost, it's almost, Never the most important word in the sentence. The most important words in the sentence are the feeling words, the words that, that we're trying to, to attach to the you, you know? Mm. And, and so to me, you know, if I say, have you ever felt or have you ever gotten, it's not have you ever felt or have you ever gotten because they already know we're talking to them. And if I hit the you, they're going to feel like they're getting sold because it's still that car salesman thing. So... That's one of the first things I tell people is avoid the you. Don't focus on the you. If you can focus on anything but the you, you're going to be off to a great start. That's amazing. That was a really, really good uh, section to speak on. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I just learned a whole bunch. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially because conversational is so important these days. Oh, thank you, Bradford. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's listen to audition number four. If money were not a factor, what would your dream house look like? Picture it now. Would it have a large wraparound porch and a lot of green space for a garden? Or would it be a modern condo in the heart of the city? Wherever your mind goes and whatever your dream consists of, spending mortgage brokers can help you get there. Come on in and speak with one of our agents today to see what we can do for you. So, yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumps out at me at this is that background noise. Is the the noise floor is just way too much. It sounds like there's, you know, it could be that she's on the same circuit as you know her computer and her refrigerator and everything else. And I address this in my podcast as well at the very end. It's the bonus, um, which is the plug-in that's not a plug-in, which is get yourself a power conditioner. They're not that expensive. I've had the same one for, for 15 years now. I've carried it everywhere I go, and it will clean up your power. If you're, because if you live in an apartment, you're almost certainly going to be on the same circuit as something, an air conditioner, a, a refrigerator or whatever. And what it does, what a power conditioner will do is it'll run that power through a bunch of filters and it'll take that stuff out. Plus, it protects your, your gear if it ever gets struck by lightning. But you know, and and the best the best you can get, it has like eight plugs in it or whatever. You know, get the best one you can because it'll just be it'll be better for that. But so the noise on that sounds very electrical to me. Um, but it also there's also an ambient sort of feature to it as well. That you know, and again, rolling off some of that high end will help with that. But also, I think she needs a gate, um, and you know, or an expander. Either one is fine. But I think that. Um, 
properly using a gate to to sort of again a gate just it's a on off switch right you know if i'm talking it's on if i am not talking it turns the mic off is the best way to look at it um and so you know that would be the first thing that i would say is let's get your gate together um it could also be a combination of her gain might be too loud um you know so i would i would certainly look at that but i didn't feel like her gain was overpowering um i felt like it was just simply there was there was stuff in the in the mix that you know could easily be taken out um but yeah if you find a lot of noise in in and it's ambient noise that can be your gain right if you find that there's a lot of noise and it's electrical um then you know that's where a power conditioner can help uh, is a uh, silly question but is a power conditioner the same as a power bar like where it's a separate bar with a switch at the end. Yeah, I mean, or should yes. Our users be looking for power conditioners. Well, yes. I mean, a power bar. It depends. I mean, I'm sure that there are power bars that are simply, you know, you know, plug strips, right? That that don't do anything. Um, what you want to look for is a power conditioner that has filters in it. Just look for the word of electrical filters that will, you know, or it says filters out. Dirty power, because that's what it is. It's called dirty power. It's just you've got noise in your lines. They're not insulated properly or, you know, again, you're on the same circuit as something. Um, you know, when I built this studio that I'm in, I made sure that this entire room is on its own circuit and on uh. its own and on its own ground, as a matter of fact. So therefore, it's basically lifted from the house. It's not any part of the house. So therefore, I have very little noise. There's still some. You can't ever get away from it. But there's no gate on this microphone. Question. And, do and you, it's quiet, so, yeah. Huh. Do you have a specific product uh, for power conditioner that you might recommend to your students? I don't. I don't. Again, I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I just, so, okay. So I bought a, a Monster Power Pro 2500 15 years ago. You can't get them anymore. And it's, I love that thing. And I, again, I've used it forever. I just purchased a Black Lion Audio PGXLM because I bought more gear because I can't stop. Um, and I've, <laughs> and I've got a problem, but, and I'm finding that it's, it's actually really, really good, um, for the price. But again, you know, you don't have to go and spend a thousand dollars on a, on a power conditioner. You can, you don't have to. Um, but you know what, think about what you need, right? How many plugs do you need? Do you need 35, 30 plugs or 10 plugs or will eight do? Um, and so th those two are fine. Those two I like just because I know them. Um, I've tried the floor models like that look like power strips that say they're conditioners. I don't find them to be as good. Um, they, the technology may have gotten better. Um, whoever you're talking to, wherever you're buying it from, ask them. They're going to know. Um, you know, so if you go to Sweetwater, call them and go, here's what I'm looking for. They'll tell you. I've, you know, especially them. I, I've used them for so long. And, and honestly, they, they're amazing. They they have no problem telling you we don't have it and you should go here or saying yeah this is what you this is what you need and if you don't like it send it back and we'll you know uh, I uh, yeah so for me you know if you go to a guitar center you go to a Sweetwater you go wherever right don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to go here's what I'm this is what I do be proud of the fact that you're a voice actor go look I'm mm -hmm. a voice actor and they're gonna go really cool what do you do you know how, I've always wanted to get into that and now you get to deal with it and I don't. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the more people that can take that question away from my life, oh, the better. But no, like be proud of the fact that you're a voice actor and go, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's the gear that I have, right? Get to know the gear that you have and know what it needs. And they're going to go, oh, okay, cool. Here's the, here's all you're going to need is this power conditioner and be like, yeah, I'm on a dirty circuit or I've got noise in my circuits. They're going to know what that means. They're going to go, okay, great. This has filters that will filter out noise. Brilliant. You know, absolutely. don't be afraid to ask. You're never going to learn if you don't ask. So. Yeah, I mean, heck, that applies to anything. Absolutely I mean, anything. I've been in sales for almost a decade, and I'm still constantly looking at new resources, new ways to do things. It's You're constantly striving for excellence, but that doesn't mean that I don't have questions along the way. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. It's nice to know that if you've got people that can help you and trustworthy people like at, well, like Bradford and uh, like us and like people at uh, Sweetwater. Like at people yeah. at Sweetwater. All right, so let's listen to audition number five. If money were not a factor, what would your dream house look like? Picture it now. Would it have a large wraparound porch and a lot of green space for a garden? Or would it be a modern condo in the heart of the city? Wherever your mind goes and whatever your dream consists of, Spendy Mortgage Brokers can help you get there. Come on in and speak with one of our agents today.
to see what we can do for you. There's a couple of things. Number one, and this is something that I run into constantly with female students. They have been told to smile all the time. We don't talk like that. We don't talk like this all day long. We don't do this. It's not natural. Nobody does this. They just don't do it. Um, you know, to start a sentence that way, but then finish with a with a, a neutral position is is far more realistic. Uh, it just seems like this entire thing was a smile fest, and that is disingenuous. It's immediately no matter how great because her conversation is her conversational read is 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 good, but it's being sort of hobbled by this perma smile. And, you know, again, knowing when to use it instead of trying to use it the whole time, it's far more effective to use it in certain places, right? Smile when you're asking about that wraparound porch, but then stop when you're saying, you know, or maybe it's a downtown condo, because again, that's very more matter of fact. Um, you know, the, there, the, there's, there's just, there's way too much, there's just way too much smile in there. It becomes, it just loses its effect. Um, the other thing that I would say is, and I don't, I can't say that this is necessarily not the way that she speaks, but there's a lot of vocal fry going on. And again, that might go with the smile, but it's that thing where, uh, you know, you're doing that in the middle of words or it's a sort of the position of where you're positioning your, your speaking voice that again, you know, we're, we're products of what we're, of what we're uh, positively and negatively reinforced with. And again, it's hard for me to say to this person, you know, don't speak like that because it might be the way that she talks. I have no idea. Um, but it can be a hindrance. It can be something that, you know, try and stretch your range, right? And I and this is what I talk about. I have students that have exceedingly deep voices. This is just how they talk. And I've got to make sure that I can get them to maybe take a little bit out of their voice because then you, by, if you can do that and you can do it naturally, now you have range. Right. I have I have an exceptional range because I've been pushing myself into those limits where I can sound like I'm in my 20s, but but I can also sound like some rugged Texan guy, you know, and it's all natural sounding because I've been flexing those muscles for years. And so, you know, while this is my neutral sounding voice, I can certainly get down in here and talk like this. And, you know, I've, I work in this area all the time and that's fine, you know, or I can or I can sort of take it out. And speak more through my nose and sound, you know, younger if I need to, right? And that's fine too. Um, so, you know, finding finding out how to do that and playing in that place to do that is uh, is sort of is is always to your benefit. Um, and vocal fry can sound very very cute. Mm, okay, yeah, that's fine. All right, you know, it's that through the nose sort of thing. Um, but it can. But if it doesn't fit. Right. It, it can be a distraction. So, um, again, I don't know if it's just a product of the smile. Um, but again, her, her read is fine. Um, it's just a lot of smiley, smiley, smiley. Um, and there's, there's a lot of work in that, you know, Starbucks makes a living with it, I guess. Um, but I am more of a, I want to make sure that I have a few bases covered rather than one thing. So, if that helps. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the beautiful things about doing auditions every day and such a wide variety of them is you get to practice. And honestly, the only way to get good is to be bad at the beginning and to keep going. Oh, God, yes. If, you, if you're afraid of making mistakes, you're, you're never going to succeed. <laughs> no. You will never, so ever succeed if you're afraid of, being, of looking like a fool. Here's the reality. If they're asking you for ridiculous, if you don't give them 120%, you're not even going to be considered. The reality is they can always ask for less, but they will never expect more. They yeah. will never pay you hoping X. They, they're never going to go, well, I like this voice, but he didn't quite get where we needed him to go. Let's hire him and hope he gets there. No, no. <laughs> that's never going to happen. But if you go above and beyond, they're going to go, I know I can pull that guy back 10%. That was great. Right. I would much rather go way too far and look stupid than not far enough and not get the job. You know, that's the other thing. The other thing people think is if they make a mistake, they're going to ruin their career. Trust me when I tell you, I've been doing this 25 years. I have never done an audition so bad that I have ruined my career. And I've done some bad auditions. 
I have done super poor, bad audio quality, you name it, auditions, and it's never ruined my career. And, you know, it, it just, it won't. It won't do it. I mean, unless you curse at them and disparage their product, maybe. But but even <laughs> then, lines. but yeah. even then, it's just going to ruin you for that client. It's not like there's this big cabal of you know companies that are going to be like, oh, by the way, I did a thing with this uh, voices guy, and oh, it was horrible, right? Like, no, it, it's so so you know, make the mistakes, be stupid, yeah. be ridiculous. That's the whole point. If it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. If you're yeah. not being challenged on a daily basis, you're doing it wrong. I try constantly to go, okay, how else can I think about this? Because otherwise, you're just going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's the kiss of death. I have too many people that will go, all right, take one. Have you ever felt about such and such? All right, take two. Have you ever felt about such and such? And they think those are two different reads because they changed the timbre of their voice. The read's the exact same. Mm-hmm. And I was just as guilty of this for years. So like... But 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 it was a fact of, well, I knew the first one worked, so I'm going to stay in that box so that the coach doesn't yell at me. Or I knew that felt good, so I don't want to take a chance of doing something different and failing. Don't take that mindset. You have to fail. You absolutely have to fail. You have to risk looking stupid constantly. And, you know, so don't ever be afraid to say the wrong thing or say it the wrong way. Because more times than not, you're going to find that you're going to find a nugget in there that's going to be good, right? And I always play the game with my students where we take a line and we stress every word. So if it's, you know, what would you do? Then it's, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? Right? And now all of a sudden, I I just found, what, five different ways to say that sentence? What would you do? Right? And that's an urgent question. What would you do? That's a genuine question. What would you do? Oh, that's an attack. That's sort of putting the onus on them. What would you do? Well, now that's act, asking them specifically about an action. It's making them think, you know, in, in sort of an abstract way. And so all of them have a purpose. All of the ways that you stress those words, that you, that you read that sentence, all of them have a purpose and a way of conveying an, a, an emotional message to the listener. And if you don't go through that, And I'm not saying you have to do it on every line, but if you do it enough in the beginning, I can now just do it in my Mm -hmm. head before Mm -hmm. I even read the line. I can do it and I know which one's going to fit because it's going to stay with the emotional phrase or the emotional place that I put myself in at the beginning of the spot. Again, once I find the emotional place I need to be, the voice takes care of itself. But, But I need to experiment and I need to fail and I need to say the line wrong, right? And Because what would you do? doesn't necessarily work maybe with the way I the way I said the previous sentence. So they need to marry as well. No line is an island. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Every line in a commercial exists for a reason. And they and and you need to find that reason. And if it's, you know, and there's two reasons generally. It's either to push the narrative forward or it's to modify a sentence previously said. Right? I mean that's that no line just exists. Right. Mm-hmm. It's either functioning to push the narrative forward or it's functioning to modify something previously said or it does both. Sometimes sometimes it modifies something while moving the narrative forward. I don't know. But, you know, understanding that and being able to then join those sentences in that way um, can really help you. And to do that, you know, you need to play. You need to make a mistake. You need to say it wrong. Quote unquote. There's no wrong way. Yeah. There really is no wrong way to read a line if you have a justification for it. If you're like, well, I just said it that way. Okay, that's wrong. The way you read it wasn't wrong. Your motivation and the reason you read it that way is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I like to look at it. There's no wrong, a, wrong way. We're in a creative industry, right? Yeah. And people just get caught in that comfortable zone and stick to it. Right. Be which, creative. Right, which fascinates me. They want to get into yeah. voiceover, but they want to just do sort of that thing, their thing. The fact is, you need to be able to say it the way you believe it said. And be able to also hear somebody go, that's not how I want it read. Mm -hmm. And not take it personally. And go, I every time a a director says to me or an agent says to me, yeah, that's not right. I immediately go with, okay, cool. Tell me how you want it and I will do it, right? Because if I'm too busy fighting inside my head what the the criticism or fighting myself and going, oh, I didn't say that right. I didn't do this or or whatever. I'm not being present in that moment and I can't hear what the direction they're giving me. And, and if I can't hear the direction they're giving me when they say action, I'm screwed. So I have to be completely present and I have to turn it off. Once I've said the line, believe me, there are plenty of times I've said a line and I've said to myself, that was horrible. 
and they've gone, that was brilliant. <laughs> Guess who's right? Yes. Yeah. They Absolutely. are. I'm not right at that point. And again, these are the things that you can control and things you can't control. And that's one of the things you can't control. If they think it's great, I'm not. I used to. I used to be like, really? Can I do it again? Because I think it was horrible. Guess what? Now that now you've just told them you didn't give them your best. You've told them they're wrong. And they're the, no director wants to be told they're wrong. That's not your place, right? Is your place is to go, oh, okay, cool. Uh, great. And to remember yep. what you did. And then if that line comes up again, just do it that way. Guess what? The Definitely. less you work, the more you work. So, you know, now I already know what they want. If, even, if it, even if I disagree with it, I don't care. It's not up to me. It's not my, I don't have control over that. So, so I, I'm going to listen to them. But I need to be free enough to just read it and just do it and know that no amount of criticism is going to hurt me. Because no amount of criticism is going to come from a place of pain. It's not going to come from a place of you're stupid or you're this or you're that, right? I've had plenty of parental baggage to carry around my entire life and insecurities and self-loathing and hatred and all of those horrible things. Massive depression. I've been there. I Believe me, it is horrible. But what I do know above all, all, all things is no amount of criticism and voiceover is, is designed to make me feel less than it's always designed to make a better commercial, to make me better, to make, to make me challenge something, to, to make me think differently, but it's never an attack on me. It's never, you know, Oh, you read that wrong. You're horrible. No, it's so I obviously as the director didn't make my point. So here's what I want you to do. Right. A lot of the time it's, you know, it's whoever's directing you, it's bad direction, or it could be, you know, it could be, yeah, you might've misinterpreted it, but you still read it correctly with your misinterpretation, right? If it said trust, like, you know, some of these people that we've been talking about today, right? They read trustworthy and playful and they read it intense, but that's their version of, of trustworthy, right? Or that's their version of playful. That's fine. Right. It, it, but I'm being asked to critique and I'm saying, well, in my world, that isn't the playful that I would think. So any critique that I'm giving today is not coming from a place of, wow, you're horrible. It's coming from a place of here's how I'm seeing it and take that for what it's worth. Not taking things personally isn't just good advice for voiceover. It's just good advice for any business. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really like that your t- the tone you're taking is self-aware, not self-critical. Never self-critical. Super important. Yeah. No, I really like it. Although I am about to ask you to be critical sure. and pick a winner for us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's easy to be self-critical. It's hard to be self-aware. It's hard to be self-positive, yeah. too. Um, and so who am I going to choose? I'm, you know what? I'm, it, probably, yeah. I think I've got to go with the, the first one. I've got to go with number one. Hey! Hey, Audition number one. Let's listen one more time. Hmm. If money were not a factor, what would your dream house look like? Picture it now. Would it have a large wraparound porch and a lot of green space for a garden? Or would it be a modern condo in the heart of the city? Wherever your mind goes and whatever your dream consists of, Spendy Mortgage Brokers can help you get there. Come on in and speak with one of our agents today to see what we can do for you. Cool. You know, Bradford, I appreciate you having having you on the podcast because not only have we learned a lot about audio and performance, but the mindset that you need to have to be a 25-year vet in this industry. So thank you for sharing your story, not just with us, but with everybody listening. I We really appreciate you. Oh, sure. I mean, it can beat you down. Don't let it. Right. Yeah. It just, you know, yeah, no, it's my pleasure. I love, I love talking about this stuff and you know, that's, it's fun for me to coach. I love it. I love getting the emails. Like I got the other day with a student that's like, I booked my first gig. Yay. It's great. Oh, that's amazing. It's Man. good for them. Right. And Absolutely. I, I don't take any credit for it. They did all the work, right? It's, it, it I don't, I don't get you jobs. I'm not going to get you a job. I can point you in certain directions. I can make you flex your muscles, but I can't get you the job. So it's not. So when you get the job, don't tell me that you got the job because you want to give me credit. It's not about. I'll never take it. You got the job because you did did what you needed to do. Yeah, I have a personal mantra that's everything works out for my greater good. So if that one didn't work out, it's because something else better for me is down the road. Ah, oh, wonderful. Okay, so Bradford, where can we contact you? Uh, I, so for me, I offer a free thirty minute of you know sort of Q and A with people uh, just yeah. because look. I, 
I, I, I'm a, I'm an acquired taste. I'm a personality. I get it. Um, you know, and, and sometimes people just have a question, right? So I am very, very open to somebody just setting up a free 30 minute Q and a consult, whatever you want to call it, go to my website, hastingsvo.com. And my calendar is on there. It will immediately go into my calendar. So I can't double book, you know, was a 30 minute thing where you can ask whatever questions you want. Um, you can ask me about coaching. You can ask me about your audio. You can ask me about philosophy or whatever. I don't care. I'll talk about it. Um, and, you know, if you want to, if you know coaches and you're like, hey, I've talked to this guy or this girl and I know who they are, right? I can give you my insights. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be, you know, I'm never, never going to be afraid to tell you the truth, right? My students will tell you, I'm never going to be the guy that's going to be like, wow, that was fantastic. And then just <laughs> let you wallow in your mediocrity. It's never going to happen. I want you to be better. I want you to have a win after talking to me. I want you yes. to feel like after you've talked to me, there's one thing that's improved or there's a there's an understanding of something, even if it's just one thing and it's small, but it might be that one small thing that just turns your entire career around because it, it mm -hmm. can boil down to that. And that's that's why I love coaching. But uh, yeah, so HastingsVO.com or, uh, you know, I don't, if you want to email me directly, coaching at HastingsVO.com is also good. So... Um, yes, make sure to, uh, subscribe to the podcast here. If you are looking for the scripts, um, go to voices in our blogs. We have tons and tons of free scripts. You can always use these to create demos or just to practice. Um, we have lots of additional resources there as well. Um, and without any further ado, uh, Hope you guys have a great day, and thank you very much for listening. Yeah, we're rooting for you guys. Happy auditioning. Happy auditioning. 